Welcome to Ms. Interpreted, her podcast of public relations and strategic communications demystified by Kelly Fletcher and Fletcher Marketing PR. So I think eventually we'll come to see it as another tech tool in, in the tool belt for professionals. And some people may not be fully comfortable with it and we'll have to be transparent and honest about that. And to your point, have a discussion with your team to say, hey, how are we comfortable? Does it fit? Does using this at any level of the campaign, does it fit with the client and their values and their goal? We are here with the Misinterpreted Podcast, where we demystify public relations. This episode is all about AI. It's called Beyond the Hype, examining the real world impacts of AI in the form of chat GPT on the public relations and communications profession. AI is all over the news, so it's hard to get away from it. And in the profession that we're in, it has a direct impact since it can impact research and writing. It can be used for blog posts. And there's even that question, could it be used in other areas as well? Can AI be used for strategy? Is there creativity? What's the human component to it? Is it going to take us out of jobs in the PR and marketing professional? Especially, what are the ethics behind AI? That's the big question that we're really going to be answering today. I'm Sarah Merrill. I'm the Vice President of Fletcher Marketing PR, and I'm here with Professor Matthew Pittman. He is the Assistant Professor of Advertising and Public Relations at the Tombris School at the University of Tennessee. He has a PhD in communication, and he also serves as a consultant. And so he's here, and he's going to serve as our expert on this subject. But to start us out today, we just want to give a a brief overview. And so recently, I've been keeping up with this trend towards AI, and there's been lots of documentaries on the subject. And perhaps to some folks, maybe maybe it's a little scary that there's these AI chatbots out there. For other people, they see it as an an exciting resource. And so for us personally at Fletcher, I first came across ChatGPT. This was back in November. It was when it first launched. And so as soon as I knew that it had launched, I wanted to try it out. And so one of the things that I did was I went in and I used it for some research on some difficult topics that we had for clients just to see what it would spit out for us. And it was surprisingly good. And so for us, a lot of times our research involves going through copious links that are on Google, reading through numerous articles and research and surveys to glean what we need for an article for a client that we're writing. And with ChatGPT, I was able to put in the information that I was looking for, and it gave some really, really great explanations. I still had to use Google. I still had to fact check, but it provided just a good foundation and starting point that gave me some explanation on the subject that I could then utilize and then also have an expert review and check over. And so that was that was a really cool experience. But I have to say the most interesting experience is when you tell ChatGPT You give it a command such as, I want you to edit this article for readability, and then I want you to use a thought leadership tone that's compelling and thought-provoking. And you can put that piece of writing into ChatGPT, and it does exactly that. And the writing is absolutely phenomenal. 
And there was a documentary that I was writing where they interviewed an expert linguist who actually said that ChatGPT has a writing style that is better and more advanced than even the most expert writers. And so it's pretty interesting. I would say that it's actually a little chilling that it is so incredibly good at writing. So Professor Pittman, I wanted to speak to you. I know that you were emailing back and forth with our CEO, Kelly Fletcher, and you were talking about ChatGPT and AI and the podcast and what that means for communication professionals. And from what I understand, you had actually used AI to come up with some thoughts on this podcast. And so I wanted to start with that and see what you found. Yeah. So like you, I was really curious. My first interaction with ChatGPT was a little chilling as well. I, I started TikToking over Christmas and I had one post that was mildly controversial. It was like, how much do grades matter? And I had people arguing in the comments. And so I asked ChatGPT, how do I respond to negative feedback on my social media? And it was like this world-class therapist. It was like, hey, relax. Do these people have your best interest at heart? Do they really know you or do they seem kind of angry? I was like, oh my gosh, I better write this down. This is great. So yeah, before I came on here, I said, hey, ChatGPT, I'm going on a podcast to talk about ChatGPT and marketing communications professions. What should I talk about? And it gave me a nice bulleted list. And for each of these bullet points, it had uh, like a further explanation, but it said you should introduce Chad GPT, talk about applications and marketing communications, the advantages, the challenges and limitations, the future of Chad GPT. And spoiler, Chad GPT is very robust and positive about its future to be involved in human affairs. It's not shy or humble. Of um, course it's not. <laughs> yeah, but it did a pretty good job. Like all of it, I think one of the themes will probably be that Chad GPT is great, but it's kind of generic in general. But for certain tasks, it, it's great. And I think it nailed this outline pretty well. That's amazing. And I think that's one of the applications where I can personally see chat GPT come in handy that it does help cut down time. And so a lot of times, instead of trying to really do that, I guess what I would call just sort, sort of the, the, the easy pieces of marketing and PR, it seems like it can be helpful in that area. Right. The more you know about a topic the more helpful it will be as a supplementary tool in the toolkit, not necessarily doing your job for you. Although I'm sure we're going to talk about examples where <laughs> people have tried to have it do everything for them. Yes. And we've definitely talked about that as, as a team. And I think there are quite a few examples of, I guess, what you could consider chat GPT gone wrong in marketing and PR, which is a good place to start is to talk about some of the misconceptions with AI, because I think that a lot of people probably saw chat GPT come out, probably saw what I saw and how amazing it is. And yeah, they, they probably began to think that maybe this is infallible. And so I don't need to fact check. I think that's a big misconception because it is highly accurate, but it's also only as good as the data that it's trained on. And we've personally found as we've done research with ChatGPT that it can be inaccurate. For instance, if there's a person's bio that I need to look up or some stats in a particular person, it can get wrong. Things like how long that person has been in the industry, for instance, might not be accurate, or it might have their, where they went to school might not be accurate. But what sort of misconceptions have you found? Yeah, I think that the fear that it's going to replace human jobs and creativity, I think tech 
futurists and scholars have different definitions of AI, and most of us use AI really loosely to define anything that's based on an algorithm and smart. But I think this is technically classified as somewhere between it's not generalized AI, which is like the Android that can act like a human. We're not there yet. So it's somewhere between that and narrow AI, which would be like Google Maps or using GPS or even a language translator, like translate this paragraph from French into English. So it's very good. It's the specific narrow tasks, like you said, if it has the data set to train on. But if you ask, like I'm sure you've experienced if you mess around with ChatGPT, if you ask it anything that's too far out of pocket or out of field, it breaks down and says, I'm sorry, I do not. I am just a language model. I cannot answer that. Yeah. And and I, it was interesting that you say that because I think it was CNBC that I was watching where one of the interviewees who was talking about chat GPT said that if you ask a question like how much ice in Antarctica is comprised of penguin urine, <laughs> which is a oh, very wow. strange question. But if you ask it that, it will tell you 3%. And, and the interesting thing is that that is actually not true because penguins don't urinate. But if you give it that sort of information, it takes that question that you're asking and it comes up with the best kind of response it can glean, but you're not giving it the best information on the front end because you're asking it a question and it assumes that what you're asking is, is correct, that the glaciers or icebergs are comprised of of penguin urine when that's not even correct to begin with. So you're not giving it accurate information on the front end. And that's really funny. How accurate information. Yeah, I've heard instances of basically this sounds weird to say for AI, but it can hallucinate and just make up things that aren't there. And it doesn't understand the things it's talking about because it's all based on human language and data sets. So I follow a chess YouTuber and he played against chat GPT and one in like eight moves, it would just magically teleport one of the pieces across the board because it didn't understand that, you know, a chessboard represents real 3D pieces in a real world. That's funny. So I'm sure if it had a logic for giving that penguin question like, well, yes, the average penguin body weight and it's a whatever this kind of animal that urinates on this average. And th so I'm sure it had the math to back up what sounded like a good answer, but... I'm guessing a fourth grade biology student could be like, no, I don't think that's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I think that's where the, the other misconception that's out there, where I think marketing and PR professionals may be wondering, could AI eventually replace what we do? Because it is so good at writing and it is so good at research. And you can ask it to write an outline or write a blog post. And so I think that's another misconception. And should marketing and PR professionals be worried about this? I'm a tech optimist just to like confess my bias. So I don't think humans are going to take their hand off the wheel anytime soon. But one thing with ChatGPT in particular, its data set is only trained up to a point. So the free version now is only only has data from like fall of 2021. It can't even give you the weather I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. I, if I ask it what the weather is in Knoxville today, it's like, I don't know. That's outside my parameters. So it is very, again, very smart at certain things. The best practices for a long time are going to be, I think, to use it as a supplementary tool in the tool belt of a writing professional, streamlining some tasks, coming up with captions or content for posts or press releases, something. I think it's a great supplement or complement, but I don't think it's ready to supplant humans yet. I think that's a really great 
way to put it is supplementation. It doesn't, it doesn't replace what we do, but it can make what we do a little better, a little more efficient. And since you do work for a university, we have seen some headlines in the news about students using AI to write their papers. And so there is that concern, I'm sure, that students aren't really learning how to write. And for us hiring college students who are coming out of this era, does it set them up to be more likely to cheat? And and how is the academic environment, how are they approaching this and trying to ensure that students aren't hinging on chat GPT or other AI so much that they fail to really learn those writing skills. So this is a big issue. We at the University of Tennessee, we get a faculty email about once a week now, but hey, here's a workshop. Here's an explainer video. It affects some disciplines more than others. So because I teach advertising, most of my projects are creativity based and visual, which make it less likely for a language (laughs) processing program to contribute. But if you're an English or history professor and you have a hundred students in class and you say, I want a 20 page paper on the French revolution tomorrow. That would be in in my mind, the highest risk of, I just need this to bail me out. So there is a danger. I try to look at it from the perspective of a history of technological advances. So I'm sure people said when we went from like uh, computers first had word processing programs, I'm sure there was the discourse like, oh, it's good. No, no one's going to remember how to type. It's too easy. It's going to take away the art of penmanship. And then as we developed more robust spell checking, grammar checker, grammarly, people have said, oh, this is going to ruin human's ability to think critically about language and become good writers. And now this is the next step in that evolution. Granted, it's a big step. It's, it's like going from a skateboard to a car and not from a skateboard to a bicycle. But thinking about it on that trajectory helps me from freaking out too much. From a professor perspective, my philosophy is that the top students are always going to kick butt and and be, have that ambition and the drive and the discipline that I personally didn't have in college. There's the middle chunk, middle third of students that I can hopefully motivate, inspire, light the fire under their butts, the, the passion, the fuel for learning. And there's a bottom 5% that are always going to look for shortcuts or, or be tempted to cheat or whatever. And that may have nothing to do with me or my class. Maybe they're going through a crazy season of life. I don't know, but the students who do use it, it's probably going to catch up with them sooner or later. And I can't create rules and policies in class that burden the rest of the 95% based on what I think the bottom 5% might do. So at least in the, from a class point of view, yeah, it's tricky. And I think each, every educator has to navigate that space on their own based on their discipline and their field and what their deliverable projects are, what the skills are they're trying to impart to their students to help them be safe. I did hear uh, yesterday in class, they students told me that in another class they had, not mine, because mine's all like, let's make a visual pitch deck and cool photos and infographics. But another class, a student got caught using chat GPT, but they didn't get punished because there's no policy in place because it's not technically plagiarism. They're not stealing another student's work. They're not borrowing a term paper that someone turned in in 1973. It was unethical and cheating. Even the student didn't deny it. But how do we police something that's like a new a new crime or whatever, a new policy violation? Because it was original text, just not their own. That's really interesting. And I think that's 
the biggest thing for the line of work that we're in with marketing and PR, because this is so new, it's how do we navigate this so that we're able to take advantage of the benefits? Because I do feel very strongly, and I think to your point as as well, that AI is here. The technology is is here to stay. And so we have to learn how to utilize it and how to live with it and how we can use it to make our profession and the work that we do for clients better. But at the same time, there is that ethical consideration too of where is that line drawn of plagiarism? Because to your point, it's not copying someone else's original work, but is copying the work of a like a, a robot, so to speak, is that a form of plagiarism? And we have to be careful too about things like, are we going to put ourselves at risk or our clients at risk with privacy concerns or copyright issues? Or there's, of course, the issue of fake news and inaccuracies. And and then how, how do you disclose that? And then there's also regulations that are involved as well. And so the most recent documentary I was watching on AI, they were interviewing some experts on, is AI going to become regulated? Is there going to be a regulating body like the FDA or FAA that's going to help control what can and can't be done with AI, what has to be disclosed? I think in Europe, there's a there's a law now where if you're talking to a chatbot that's not a human, it has to tell you up front. So I think they're a little ahead of us there in terms of regulating. Hey, is this really a person behind a keyboard? Am, am I just going to be talking to a chatbot until I complain enough and get to see the manager? In academia, and I'm sure this is in the industry too, if it's not already there, it's coming. It's basically a cold war of detection software. So chat GPT can generate a corpus of text really fast, instantly. And if you tell it to regenerate, it'll regenerate slightly differently each time. So it's really hard to track. But apparently a student camp with like, I think it's called chat GPT zero, which you can plug a text in that will tell you the likelihood it, that it was generated by chat GPT. So then, of course, someone else, there's another it's like, OK, you download this app and then run it in conjunction with chat GPT and generate text and put it in there and it'll shuffle your text around so that it's undetectable. So it's this constant escalation of how nuanced software can be to detect the detecting of the what percent was this generated by AI, which is sort of fascinating, but also silly. And one thing, there was another thing I read about this week because there's so much happening. Students were and we, we use chat GPT in class sometimes before class, like as students are coming in, I'll say, hey, what do you guys got going on? They're like, oh, I got a midterm in another class. And we'll say, hey, give me some midterm study tips for Econ 201. And it comes up with some general, you know, not really specific, kind of general but some good ideas and it's fun. It's entertaining. We had it rewrite lyrics to a country song and I think it did a better job than the original. Another professor had his students use it to generate dating profiles. Each student generated a dating profile for themselves and they all did it and they had a good laugh. Ha ha. And then he said, would you put this on your real dating profile? And a hundred percent of them said, no, I would not. So oh. I think, I think that illustrates the point that when it matters to us and it's something we care about, which would be your job, your livelihood, your client, your whatever, your major, we are not going to take our hand off the wheel. We still want to have full creative control and we use it as a tool in its proper place to help supplement or give ideas. But yeah, I thought that was interesting that when it matters and in students' case, their social lives are very important. They are not willing to 
turn the keys over to ChatGPT just yet. And as it applies to the agency model, I know that our firm certainly is is not ready yet for that either because it is still new and there are still issues. For instance, there's the threat of, is it going to provide information that includes discrimination or bias to it? And it has been proven that because it is AI, it's trained on the information that it's given, that it's impossible for it not to, to sometimes have inadvertently have a bias in it. And so that's an area where we have to be very careful as marketing and PR professionals that we're not putting content out there that has been produced via AI that would then communicate any form of bias or discrimination. And it doesn't know what it doesn't know. So if you ask an intern to write a press release for an event, they may ask questions to help them fill in their knowledge gaps. Okay, I need to know this, who, what, when, what's going on, what's their history. Chat GPT may not ask those questions. It may say, oh, it's a single mom's like a childcare nonprofit. All right, I'll use data from other organizations and piece together things like we said, hallucinate or make up penguin urine or other things that don't really exist. And you won't know it unless you thoroughly proofread. I think we're just really at a precipice where agencies and marketing and PR professionals, we have to make that effort to, on the front ends, starting now at this point, to sit down with our teams. And and we actually did this as a team recently. We all got together and discussed AI and we have to have clear guidelines and policies in place for how our agency is going to approach this and how our team is going to utilize it as well and to have accountability there. And that's something that we recommend to all PR and marketing professionals is to start now and to go ahead and have that conversation and have those policies and guidelines down on paper. Because what you don't want is to have team members utilizing AI or chat GPT without your knowledge and without accountability. And then down the road, a client finds out that a byline article that was their name was included as the author was actually written by AI. And I'm sure a client would feel like that was very dishonest to not have disclosed that. And so from a client perspective, having that honesty and building that trust with the clients really involves having communication on how we use AI, how we don't use it, And for them to have the peace of mind that we're not just going to have AI write an article and that's put out there on behalf of their organization and they have no knowledge of it. I know if I were in the client's shoes, I would be very unhappy to find out that was not disclosed. Yeah, I think that kind of transparency is key to that end. I think ChatGPT and these narrow-ish AI programs are really good at big picture strategy and ideas, but maybe not so much for the actual execution. I think if you went to a client or anyone and said, hey, I got a list of ideas here. Some of these are actually generated from a computer and we can talk about them and refine them. Very few people would be upset with that. But then when it comes time to the actual writing and the finished product, yeah, I used ChatGPT last week to get date night ideas to go with my wife. And I mentioned them to her. She's like, oh, that's funny. That's stupid. Okay, let's go do that. And we just tried a new restaurant, which is not that creative original. But I think if I had ChatGPT write like an anniversary card for her, she might have been less 
enthusiastic about the prospects of AI in our relationship. Oh, <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah, I, I, if I were in her shoes, I probably wouldn't have been enthusiastic about that either. But I, I do think that's a, a great way to illustrate it, though, and in the importance of being able to understand and have an understanding among a team of when it's appropriate to use it, how to use it, when it's not appropriate, and how to disclose it, and to have that plan in place for an organization, in addition to understanding and being aware of regulations and and privacy laws, especially if AI is going to be increasingly more regulated, then as PR and marketing professionals, we're going to need to stay on top of that and on top of trends tied to it. And so we are constantly just monitoring the news related to AI to see where this is going, especially how it applies to our profession so that that plan that we have related to AI and our standards and guidelines on how it's to be used, that has to be fluid. It's going to change as as this develops. And we're going to have to monitor how it goes as well. Since to your point, I think sometimes like with the dating profiles or like with writing an anniversary card, if you use AI, it can lack a level of authenticity as well. And so we have to be able to ensure that everything that we do for clients is authentic and specific to them. Yeah. Authenticity has been the key thread for all relationships with clients and other humans for a long time. And we've had to navigate this as humans with how to use, I mean, even like cell phones and relationships. I'm sure the first time you got a text from your spouse or a close friend, it felt a little weird. And now it's just part of our everyday life. We don't even think about it. I don't know anybody that would say it replaces a good face-to-face conversation at the end of the day. How's your day? But it's a nice tool to be like, hey, are you going to pick this up? Yeah, I'm getting this on my way home. So I think eventually we'll come to see it as another tech tool in, in the tool belt for professionals. And some people may not be fully comfortable with it and we'll have to be transparent and honest about that. And to your point, have a discussion with your team to say, hey, how are we comfortable? Does it fit? Does using this at any level of the campaign, does it fit with the client and their values and their goal? If it's a tech app company, maybe it's appropriate. If it's a classic, something like with an older demographic, something like a pancake house or something older, more traditional values, maybe it, maybe it doesn't fit as, as well. We've actually had some of our clients just straight up ask us if we're utilizing AI in chat GPT. And this this was very early on when it first came out before we had really started testing it significantly. We were still in that research phase of of learning more about it and just having some some fun with it to get a feel for it. But I actually had uh, several clients who just straight up asked me about chat GPT and they said, do you know about this? And have you used it? Are you going to use it? I thought that was interesting because their take on it, all three clients, they actually really encouraged us to use it because they saw it as a tool for efficiency. To them, they think the more that we can use AI to save some time on tasks that are just very automated, to your point, maybe just researching some ideas, like ideas for for story angles out there, that's more time that we can spend working on higher level strategy or that we can really be using creativity and really be focused on the pieces that are human or spend more time 
dialing in the writing or pushing more articles out there for them, whatever that that goal may be that we have for that client. A lot of our clients do embrace it, but I think it does just go back to for any agency or marketing professional that there just really needs to be three things in place. And that's just setting setting very clear goals about how that AI is, is going to be used and having the rules and policies in place so that you're not infringing on any ethics and then monitoring the results. And so like we talked about with authenticity, making sure that if we are using it on the front end for some of the more simple automated tasks that we do, are we still producing the same results? Are the results better? Do we need to change how we're using it? And then lastly, ensuring that given the policies that we have, communicating effectively with customers and clients and that transparency that we discussed. Because while I had several clients that embrace AI and they actually use it quite a bit within their own organizations, there may be some clients that are just very opposed to it for a myriad of different reasons. So I think that's where we also have to take into account how the client feels about the use of that AI and just to have that open communication with them. Yeah, that's good. And everyone's going to feel differently about it as they should, as they have with all tech. The first assignment that I ran in class where I wanted to test out what ChatGPT was made of, because there's lots of articles about how it's going to replace humans in the workforce. So in my social media class, we had 25 groups and I said, all right, your goal is to go viral. You're going to do one video that's your human idea. And I had ChatGPT generate a list of five or six other ideas, specifically with the prompt, how can I do a video that will go viral on TikTok? And we promoted products for like the Tennessee Vol Shop, right? It was like a Tony Vitello mug or a basketball jersey. At the end of four days, we calculated the results and the human videos had on average almost double the views of the chat GPT recommended videos. And the nice thing about TikTok is it's a pure meritocracy. So Instagram won't boost your stuff unless you have a lot of followers. TikTok takes every video, whether you have one or a million followers and shows it to about 100 people and sees how it does based on that engagement. And so the humans outperformed ChatGPT, which I found really encouraging. Wow. Which also fits with the theme of there's something ineffable about human creativity. We can design tools, even really powerful tools that we call AI, even though sometimes it's just pattern recognition to help us with writing. But ultimately, I think creativity is a muscle and the more you flex it, the more you work it out, the better you get at it. So from my point of view as an educator, I see this as kind of a potential threat, but also an opportunity to help equip students for life in a digital world. And then for me to redouble my efforts on what does it mean to help prepare these students for success in the real world, whether it's PR, advertising, communications, or beyond. So thinking of it as one potential tool that is very good at certain applications and not appropriate for others. That is a great point. And that is encouraging to hear that the human-generated content for TikTok did perform better and very interesting. Yeah, I think that just reaffirms the importance of monitoring the results of what is coming out of AI. And it, it is. It's extremely encouraging that humans still are able to have a level of creativity and thinking that AI is unable to replicate. I confess I did go on and try to, it was not a perfectly 
unbiased. I did go on to some of the human videos and, and I liked it and I commented, yeah, go humans. So I did, <laughs> I did try to skewer the results, but I don't think that affected the grand algorithm of millions of <laughs> viewers. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's, that's a wonderful test. And it's also just great to hear how given that AI is here, how you're taking this up and coming generation of marketing and PR professionals that you have as students and teaching them how to how to embrace AI and how to understand the ethics since they're going to be entering the workplace. They're going to be tasked with how AI should and shouldn't be used. And so just hats off to you for, for incorporating this so much in the coursework that you're doing with, with students. And I know we actually have a couple of interns that I believe you have as students. And so they've been amazing interns. And so I think they're getting a great education from you and the rest of the professors. Yeah, technology has become just a very, very big part of what we do with marketing and PR. It'll be interesting to see where this takes us in the next 10 years or even within the next one year. Already, ChatGPT has a slew of competitors. Right. And the competitors haven't, they haven't quite cracked the code yet. I know Microsoft and Google have their own AI language stuff they're trying to train, but it's not there. So hopefully the free market will, in this case, be beneficial and have the more accountability and competitors there are for ChatGPT. I think the more its owners and creators will be incentivized to make sure that it's trained on pro-social data sets and will have whatever ethical behavior it can muster. Great. Well, Dr. Pittman, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your thoughts on AI and ChatGPT related to marketing and public relations. And it sure has been hyped up recently and in the news. And so we hope that this podcast is very helpful for PR agencies out there, marketing professionals, and, and even any students who may be listening to the podcast who have an interest. And so we look forward to seeing how this is going to progress. And we hope that everyone found this helpful, especially in terms of the steps that would be helpful to take in ensuring that as we move forward with AI within our profession, that we are upholding ethical standards. So with that, Dr. Pittman, thank you so much. Sarah, thank you for having me. It's been a treat. And uh, on my way out, I will leave you with a prompt. I asked ChatGPT to say something sarcastic about ChatGPT. And its response was, oh, sure, because nothing is more reliable than a machine that can generate human-like language based on vast amounts of data and complex algorithms. I mean, what could possibly go wrong with that? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for, for listening. And we'll be back with the next Misinterpreted podcast. Thanks for joining us on Misinterpreted, Public Relations Demystified. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at FletcherMarketingPR.com and on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time.